In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB as we get you set for the matchup that we have been waiting for pretty much since the schedule came out. We thought it might come down to this. It has come down to this. It's Montreal week. The Argos closed the season with back-to-back games against Montreal. And first, we're going to talk about McLeod Bethel-Thompson's chase for 5,000 yards. We're going to talk about how it's getting kind of crowded in the O-line room, and that's good news. Plus, we will go into detail in this matchup against the Alouettes. The injury report, OCDC, one thing, predictions, fantasy advice, and CFL picks. All that more is coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. All right, JB, let's let's talk some McLeod Bethel Thompson, the chase for 5,000 yards. So first of all, just to uh, give everyone uh, the the numbers and sort of where we're at right now. So McLeod Bethel Thompson is 509 yards away from 5,000. He's throwing about 280 yards a game. So that puts him well within pace of hitting that 5,000 yard mark which would be a pretty awesome achievement for him. It hasn't been done in the CFL since 2018. A few guys did it that year, but there were were no 5,000-yard passers in 2019, uh, obviously none in 2021 with the shortened season. And this is a a really nice opportunity for him, I think, on a personal level. Now, I know he doesn't care about individual achievements, but how much should the team be thinking about the 5,000 yard mark or should that not factor in at all Mm, down the stretch? Yeah, I I don't think it factors in at all. I don't, I don't think it would factor in with him for sure. I think you, you know, you play and if you, if you get that, that's terrific. And you know, if you don't, you don't, I don't, I, I can't imagine that, that, I mean, I'm sure if, if, if you were giving, if you gave McLeod a truth theorem, you know, would that be something he would love to look back on when he was retired? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he would. But uh, I, I don't see it being a driving force behind behind playing. But I, I think it's very reachable. And and to be honest, I think he's he's going to have to get there for the Argos to uh, to win the division. Yeah, I don't even know if he would say yes with the truth theorem. He's never been interested at all in individual achievements. He's always been very focused on winning. That's that's all he wants to do for his team is win. And if it means he has zero yards, well, then he has zero yards. But, well, I, I think uh, if he gets there, they win. That's I mean, that's where I would come down. I would say if he gets to 5,000, that means two pretty good days by McLeod. I, 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 we win one of those games if he's throwing for 280. So then the question is, what if what if he lights it up this coming week? Toronto wins and clinches the East and he only needs, let's say, I don't know, 190 yards to get to 5,000. Is there any chance you put him out there? That is a great question. Um, I think no. I, I think no. I think you, it's too, it's like it's, it's tempting the gods too much. You know, if he got hurt, you know, you would just never, you you would never feel good again if he happened to twist <laughs> his ankle or something were to happen to him. And you're like, what, what were we doing? Just, I think in that situation, well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question because maybe you believe in going full out, you know, you're going to head into a bye. Uh, last year, they played that terrible exhibition game against Edmonton and, 
um, you know, didn't didn't get it done in the Eastern final. Although they didn't come out flat, but they didn't get it done. So maybe they changed tack this year. Maybe they feel like starters in, keep the pedal to the metal final game before the bye week. So so maybe, yeah, as part of that, you, you give them a shot. Yeah, but I think if you're resting guys, you rest them. But uh, I'm sure they're considering playing that last game at relative full speed because uh, because it didn't work last year. The other interesting number that he's chasing, and I don't think that will be attained here, is he's 953 yards away from Damon Allen for the third all-time uh, in, in passing yards for a career with the Toronto Argonauts, which, again, is a pretty incredible thing. 953, that's essentially three and a half games away for for Bethel Thompson from from taking over third all time in Argos history in passing, which is an unbelievable number. And I, unfortunately, I'm not sure he will have a chance to get there. I, you know, it depends what direction the team's going to go in next year. I don't think there's enough game left this year. If I were to read the tea leaves that we've been kind of reading all season, um, it would if if they don't win the Great Cup, it would not surprise me. You know, if McLeod ended up being in Saskatchewan, why Saskatchewan? Just because they don't have a well, I don't, quarterback I don't know they're who happy they with? Really have. I mean, they got that other guy. I mean, they they're moving on past Fajardo. Is is somebody going to jump up and be great there? I mean, Ottawa maybe is is looking again, but uh, yeah, I think there's a very good chance he's he's not on the Argos next year, which. Uh, you know, we can we can debate. Well, we'll have lots of off season time. We'll to, have lots of time to, to debate that. Yep. In talking about the offensive line, we've we've done a lot of offensive line talk this year because it's it's over the whole season. It has not gone at all the way things were were planned. There have been so many pieces in and out, and finally, you look out on the practice field, and there is a relatively full group of offensive linemen repping through drills. So not only has Peter Nicastro joined the team, now he's not in gear yet, he's not practicing with the team yet, but he's there. You know, he's there in his in his hoodie and sweats and uh, presumably still taking in, in data. And uh, we'll talk about what that means in a minute. But also Isaiah Cage, who we haven't really seen since the Saskatchewan back-to-backs, is at least going limited in practice. He's there with with the shell on. He's going through drills. He's not doing, uh, you know, twelve on twelve reps yet. But but that's a positive sign to have back to back days where clearly he's had no symptoms. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone back out there again for for consecutive days. Because we remember last time he tried to practice. I think he went. I think he went full one day, and then and then that was it. And to not have, uh, I guess, anything negative occur after two straight days of practice. So that's got to be a good sign for him. Um, the, which of those, I guess, intrigues you more, Nicastro or Cage being close to returning? Uh, pro- probably Nicastro, just because I think his his impact, is, I think, can be was missed more. Uh, I mean, I, I, I like Cage too, but I think Nicastro, I mean, he was a star last year. Um, but, but adding both is fantastic. I mean, if you can have seven quality starting linemen dressed on game day that is an incredible wealth and uh, you know that that's going to be huge especially if they can find a way to to roll in some 
some potentially injured running backs. So yeah, I I, I think both the new the terrific. If both those guys can, uh, you know, they have a couple more weeks. Really, I mean, we can be fine without them if if they if they can come back in a month at at a hundred percent speed. It's, that's that's an amazing uh, thing for the Argos to be able to, you know, roll guys in, give guys a break, be able to roll a guy in when you want to give a guy a break and not have any drop off. That's that's an absolute luxury. I haven't had an occasion to talk to Coach Dinwiddie about Cage, but he was uh, not not committing to anything at all with with Peter Nicastro, basically saying, well, you know, well. We'll see how things go, not uh, wanting to make any promises or getting too optimistic about it. But to me, the way I look at it is, you know, he hasn't been with the team. He's been rehabbing independently. He flew back with the team from Alberta because he he lives out there and has, has been out there rehabbing, presumably. And so to actually come back with the team from Edmonton and now be around the facility and, and rehabbing here, to me, that has to mean he believes he can return or at least is thinking it's it's a possibility because I think I think if there was no chance if in his head he's like I'm just not going to be ready this year then I don't think he makes the trip so to me him making the trip kind of tells me that he thinks he's going to be ready or the team and he both think he's going to be ready yeah and really if, if the if the goal is to have him for the eastern final that's still ages away and maybe it depends on whether or not the Argos get that first round by too. Maybe if if it's a situation where they, you know, let's say let's say they lose the next two games against Montreal, they have to host a playoff game against oh god Hamilton. Um, then would he maybe come back for that one? Would Cage maybe be ready for that one? We don't know. We'll have to see as that goes. But uh, I would I, I I'm basing this on nothing. But just a feeling and just, again, having been around the game, having been around guys rehabbing, having just seen what I've seen, I, I would expect Nicastro to be able to go in the playoffs. But I'm, I'm really not basing that on anything. I don't have any inside information on that at all. That's just my, my gut feeling based on what I have seen and, and the, the, the way that this has all played out. In terms of who then starts and sits, we'll save that for another day. But that is going to be a really interesting conversation. And just to think about that, because that's coming up down the road, that's possibly a next week conversation. There are going to be some very difficult decisions. Just to leave you with that teaser, think about, you know, guys like Justin Lawrence, who have been great all season, has actually in the early early stages of the year was a little bit rough. But since the early stages of the year, he's been great. He's done everything that's been asked him. He's played like every snap of center the whole season long, essentially. Would you put Nicastro out there instead of him? These are things that the coaching staff's going to have to think about. You know, who are, you're probably not dressing, you could dress eight, you're probably dressing seven. Who? If everyone's ready to go, who are your seven? Uh, and that's not an easy call. All right, JB, let's get into this matchup with Montreal. So we we said at the beginning of the season, this may come down to these final two games. We said about seven or eight weeks ago, it looks like it's going to come down to the final two games. And here we are. It has come down to the final two games. How are you feeling about this right now? What's your, is this, is this, is this uh, good? good? Are you no, dreading I, this? I, I feel good. I think the team's in a good place. Uh, it's nice to be in the driver's seat, essentially. You know, you just need to split. You don't have to sweep them. Um yeah, I, I, it feels good. I think Montreal feels less pressure because they're, you know, they're coming back and kind of salvaging what looked like might be a season that went off the rails. Um, but 
I like I like our I like our chances of winning one of two. I really do. I feel pretty good about it in general, but I think the pressure will be on if they don't win this week. If if the Argos can't win this week's game, that's going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on them at home at BMO. Again, with the Alouettes kind of feeling like they've got nothing to lose. I don't like at all how, how, that, how that sets up. That that makes me nervous. So I do feel like there's there's sort of a pressure on them to win this week in order not to make this feel like uh, everything's going wrong. So... I'm a little nervous about that. Uh, in terms of the game itself, I, I think Toronto is a better team. I, I think they, all in all, I, I, I think offensively, I think Montreal may have a slight edge there. But I think defensively, it's no question. I think Toronto is is definitely the better team. So overall, two-game series, if you're the better team in a two-game series, I, I just feel like you've you've got to at least split. And so I'm not too worried about that at the end of the day. But it's easy to say now before they've played that first one, if Montreal wins this first game, uh, I, I think you, you have, to start, just have to start worrying a little bit. Let's get into the injury report. It's mostly... Mostly positives uh, for Toronto. There's a couple, a couple situations that are a little bit worrisome, but there's some there's some positive news for sure. So, like I said, Isaiah Cage is limited, but at least he's he's out there practicing. A few did not uh, participate, so you've got Sean Oakman who didn't practice today after going full yesterday. I'm not actually concerned about that. So he's got a shoulder injury. He was injured at the end of the game against Edmonton. The fact that he went full yesterday. They did this with, they did this with uh, Devaris last week, where he went full and then basically sat, and they're like, okay, yeah, we tested it, he's good to go. I think that's probably what we see with Open. Um, we didn't see Robert Priester practice either yesterday or today. He's got a concussion that he suffered in the game against Edmonton. That to me is probably not going to have him playing this week, and I'll talk about how they can adjust for that in a minute. And then you've got Tiggy Sanko who spent some time playing last week as a replacement for Robert Priester, and he has not practiced uh, all week with a bicep injury. So that would be concerning, except that we have the return of Maurice Carnell at practice, who was able to go full today. Now, that's an interesting scenario because Carnell is on the six-game injured list. He's only missed two games, so we'd expected him to be out for some time still. But the fact that he was able to practice today, go full, playing that halfback spot, suggests to me that they're going to bring him off early, that he's recovered well from his calf injury, that he's going to be ready to go. And so probably Robert Priester won't, probably Tiggy Sanko won't, but then you've got Maurice Carnell IV who, who will fill in at the halfback spot. So they don't really lose, because they've been pretty comparable between Priester and, and Carnell this season. So that would put them in a, in a, in a really good spot, I think. And then... Uh, other than that, it's it's been full go. Brandon Banks, who had missed time for, for personal reasons last week, is is back full and practicing. Markeith Ambles didn't practice yesterday. He was back today. Same with uh, Dijon Allen. And uh, other than that, there's, there's not really any injuries to report. So uh, after a season of injury after injury after injury, it does feel like the Argos are getting healthy at the right time. And then on the other side of the ball look at the Montreal Alouettes they, they don't have a ton of guys out either they have some some names on the injury list that aren't going to return this week but the one I'm watching is Sean Jameson the center he didn't play last week and he hasn't practiced yet this week I'm assuming that 
he's he was on the one game injured list so they're they're clearly hoping he'll return at some point but not practicing it this week is uh, it's definitely a concern for them and I, I just think there's a pretty big drop off between he and brown and so from a toronto perspective if david brown's playing center and sean oakman is healthy i think that's a very positive matchup for for the toronto defense so we'll see how that shapes out as the as the week continues on but JB, this has got to be encouraging news not to have 25 guys on the on the injured list and multiple guys at different positions. They feel like they're healthier now than they have been most of the season. Yeah, it's great. It's um, good timing. Usually at the end of the year, you're kind of uh, leaking oil and, and you know, trying to patch things together. And um, team looks like they're ready to, to, you know, knock on wood. If we can have a healthy couple of games here, it looks like we're ready to, to be you know, a top squad for, for our playoff game. And to be 10 and six with all the injuries that they have endured, the most injured team in the CFL, the most man games lost in the CFL and you're 10 and six with two games to go. We were looking at this team as being a 10 or 11 win team to start the season. We kind of felt like that was a pretty realistic goal for them. And that was without being able to forecast these dozens of injuries and, and key players like we had, we'd counted on Eric Rogers being uh, playing at, at an all-star level all season long. And, and we've seen Eric Rogers for one game. So the, the amount of stuff that they've been able to overcome this year, again, a tip of the hat to coach Dinwiddie and the coaching staff for being able to assemble a group somehow week after week. And now here they are in a position where because all those injuries happened at the beginning of the season, or in some cases before the season even started, now guys are starting to come back and now we'll really see how powerful this Toronto team can be when they return to full health if they you know if things keep progressing in the right direction over the next two weeks all right JB it's time for your favorite segment it is OCDC for those new to the podcast OCDC is a segment where JB plays defensive coordinator for both the visiting team and the home team I will do the same for the offense we'll start things with the bad guys the Montreal Alouettes so JB you're the defensive coordinator for the Alouettes. How do you shut down the Toronto Argonauts? Uh, I, I, I don't think the recipe has changed. It just seems to be some teams have the personnel or the interest in doing it, and some do not. Um, we're, look, the Argos are a pass-first team. You've got to take the pass away. I, I don't think the run... Uh, the run is is not the engine for the team, even even when they run well. It's not what feeds the team, so I'm I'm you know three man rush, lots of defensive backs, uh, taking away that underneath, um, daring them to throw that deep pass, taking away the uh, seams, just crowding the middle of the field and you know giving him the underneath and not giving the posts or the quick slants to. To McLeod, and then when it's second down and second and long, you just bring heat, and we'll have the, uh, you know, the really very common second down drive killing sack uh, that you know we unfortunately seem to give up a lot. So I think that's what you're looking to do: play tight man coverage, be all over guys, don't let McLeod get into a rhythm, bring pressure on second and long, and. Uh, keep a guy on Ouellette when he releases out of that backfield. And I, I think that's what you're looking to do. It's just a question of can you do it? But if, if you have the personnel, the, the Argos, to my knowledge, have not shown an ability 
to really deal with tight man coverage very well. No, it's true. They they haven't, but teams have sort of gone away from that. Like I, I'll <laughs> I I'll know. tell you how I think Montreal will line up when I go through the Argos offense in a little bit. But I don't think they're gonna play man. I think they're I think there'll be some. It'll be mixed in there. But I think they're going to approach this kind of the way Calgary did because they've got a, a kind of similar defensive structure to to Calgary's. It's uh, Calgary's defense is better, uh, a lot better, uh, and in some key positions, but. I think they can try and do what Calgary did defensively. And so I, I, that's what I think we're going to see personally. And I'll detail that a little bit when we get to the Toronto maybe, side of the maybe ball. Maybe I just think that Calgary is such a unicorn. Like Calgary knows those routes in and out. It's it, They practice against it every day, all of those road combinations. I just, I don't know if what Calgary does is replicable just because there's just no way you can know the routes as cold as Calgary does. But yeah. And I agree with you, but I, I'm not saying it's the answer. I just think that it would be very tempting for a defensive coordinator for a team like Montreal that does have skill guys in certain areas that they look at the, like you're not going to get much from the Edmonton film no. and even BC's film. They're, they're such a different style of defense from, from BC. And so you look back to the Calgary game and say, look, Calgary absolutely shut down Toronto. What can we take from that? And that's where I think you're going to see Things like the, the like defensive line. Remember how Calgary was lining up with that big gap in the middle? There's basically nobody over the center or in either A gap. And they're basically daring Toronto to run right at their, their middle backer. I think we're going to see something like that too, where they really control the outsides by, by running those sort of double three techs and, uh, and going pretty wide on the edge and begging Toronto to run up the middle, knowing that in that case, Thurman was there to, yeah, to, I did, to shut it down. I didn't understand BC. I don't, I don't understand anybody who plays the run against Toronto. It's like, I'd have two defensive linemen in there. Like, what's the point? Who cares? Like, there's absolutely no quarterback's not going anywhere. There's absolutely no reason to look at run, to bite on play fake at all. It 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 it's <laughs> it has been a big problem. I don't know why any team is is concerned. Even when Andrew, I'm not, this is not a shot against uh, Alette. I mean, this is AJ Harris, you know, Andrew Harris too. Like. Uh, I I just think you you crowd that backfield with as many DBs as you can, and uh, that that's how you beat Toronto. So I'm I am a little concerned. I will be honest. I think that Montreal um, secondary is is going to be a problem for for the Argos. So we'll see how that goes. On the offensive side of the ball for the Alouettes, I, I actually think you come out with because. They have to be, Toronto has to be thinking that Montreal is going to run it down their throats. Like that has to be how you're approaching this game. They've now got a healthy William Stanback. They still have Walter Fletcher and, and you know, that they sort of worked off each other really nicely, uh, especially in that second uh, Ottawa game. So I think Toronto has to be thinking this is going to be a run first Montreal team. And I think you come out the other way. I think you come out you actually come out launching it deep. I would I would use the pass to set up the run this week. I think ultimately Montreal, you want to get out to a lead and then spend the second half running and throwing play action passes and RPOs, which Trevor Harris is pretty well. So I think you start off though by you know swinging for the fences. You you throw deep balls. You try and catch. Especially I know we've we've done nothing but praise Chris Edwards, but if you've got Chris Edwards out there at corner again, he hasn't really seen that. You know he hasn't 
he hasn't been on the field for those scenarios. He's been playing first downs as the field side corner, but he hasn't really been challenged on on deep routes. And so that's not a natural position for him. Chris Edwards didn't play corner at all in college. Um, his time in BC, uh, he moved around all over the place, but you know he's primarily a, a safety and then a Sam, and that's that's sort of who he is. He has the skill to play corner, there's no question, but he just hasn't had a ton of reps there. And Montreal's got some great receivers. I think you really try and challenge him, take some deep shots, see if you can either get some some PI calls or or uh, or you know even get under his skin a little bit and um, you know cash in on a couple of those deep balls and then blast at the at the Argos with the run so that'd be my plan coming into this game if I were the Alouettes let's switch over to the other side JB you are the defensive coordinator for Toronto how are you shutting down Les Alouettes Uh, it's hard to say how good Stanback is going to be he has not looked good yet he's coming back from an injury you know if he can be Stanback Stanback that that I mean that that's definitely for for the defensive planning that's a tough one to to balance because he obviously is probably the best running back in in the league and maybe the only running back who who could actually beat you uh, if he's a hundred percent but I'm gonna have to roll with he's not going to be and if you look at Montreal they're not a deep strike team. Um, they're not really a running quarterback team. He, I mean, occasionally he'll roll out. I, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Uh, I think you're looking at a team that loves to pass it. They have high percentage. They like to go down the field. They like to make a lot of passes. Um, you're, I think you're looking from an Argos perspective. Um, I, I think you're going to have to commit more to the run because I think Montreal feeds off the run. So you, they're definitely going to need to not be able to play like a two or three man front. I think you're going to have to commit four guys, uh, and and I'll run downs. You know, bring more heat on that rundown um, to stop the run first. And in terms of passing, you, yeah, I think you you want to play that kind of underneath zone where you're letting guys. You know, you're you're on top of guys and you're just trying to take away yak. Um, I'm not worried about the deep pass. Uh, I think really this is kind of a team that you you want to take away their their mojo, which is the ability to to run the ball well. And you got to be all over uh, their running backs out of the backfield in terms of catching passes. You you know you 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 can't sleep on that at all. I think Harris is not a quarterback. I I don't think it is any honestly. I don't think it is any different than like Dane Evans. Um. You know he can get hot and and crush you, but that's not his natural state. So I think you're you're not looking to do anything extravagant. I think you're just looking to to avoid bus, avoid big yak plays, and keep that running game under control. I think it's important for the Argos not to have someone other than Lewis beat them as a receiver. I think Lewis is going to get his yards. He's he's one of the best receivers in the league. And that's just going to happen. You're not going to shut him down entirely. But what's important is you don't let Philpott or, or, or Wanaki or Mayala or Julian Grant, you don't let those guys be. If one of those guys has, you know, 100 yards and a touchdown, then there's trouble. But I think if you can just limit it to Lewis, yeah, you're in a good you spot. you just look him to play like, like pretty straight up football. You're just trying to avoid busts. Uh, they're not a team that has 
highlighter guys where you're like with this guy we have to watch and he's gonna you know he's gonna tear us up like uh, like the lions do you know i mean the kid the philpod is, has played really nicely um but you just have to i think if you keep everything in front of you and you just play good fundamental secondary football you're going to win that game. They're not, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to go up. It's not going to be a track meet up and down the field. Uh, I think Montreal is a, is a, is a decent offense, but I, they're not better than decent. So I don't think you need to get overly elaborate in your game planning. Um, I, I, I know we have not been good at pressuring the quarterback and that's probably a, bit of a fatal flaw uh i would love to see more pressure i'd love to see more linebacker pressure to get after harris he's not a guy that you're going to chase all over the field um i think you can get to him i'd love to see that i would love to see a little more um you know whether it be like basically run blitzing or like a run blitz sack a little more pressure like that and then let the our secondary is good enough to to play montreal head up without without having to get too exotic back there I think they, like, to me, they've blitzed way more in the last two weeks yeah. than they have all season. Yeah I, yeah, I love it. And against Edmonton, it worked beautifully. They had, I think they ran zero four times, and three times it resulted in something really good. It was, uh, there was uh, two sacks and a, and a pick off of the, uh, I, I think, of, yeah. I don't know, two, it, was, it was two picks. It was two picks and a I sack like off Hamilton, of zero. Honestly, to, like, to me, Trevor Harris is Dane Evans. They're the same guy. You know, I think he, he can get hot. But is he a quarterback that you you know that you fear? I don't think he's a quarterback you fear. I think you can be more aggressive with him. I think I think Harris is better than Evans, but I think Evans has those. Yeah, you know, we saw last year in these final. Evans can can make magic happen, and I don't see that with Harris as often. But I think Harris is consistently, or it's his consistency that makes him right. Exactly. That's where I think with him you want a little more heat. You want you don't want him getting into a rhythm. Uh, so you come because he's not you know like he's not going to run away from you he's not a guy that you need to worry about running for 90 yards so you know a little more heat on him than you would say uh you know versus Calaris or something where you're really concerned about keeping him in the pocket or, or Vernon Adams I think you come after him a little more you try and get in his face you try and lay some licks on him Moving over to the Toronto offense, uh, this uh, I spent a lot of time watching Montreal film this week, just trying to get back. It, it's been so long since the Argos have played Montreal. I, I started into the first game of the season, that last second field goal miss game, and watching that, there's just guys are in in different spots. There's different coaches. There's different players. Uh, I basically threw that game away, and I started looking more recently. So, like I said, I, I do think they're going to. I think they're going to base a lot of their strategy around the the Calgary uh, defensive plan. But I think when they do drop into zone, so I think you'll see some of those man looks that, that Calgary did show. But I think when they drop into zone, it's going to be a lot more the way that they played uh, against the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I feel like they probably look at Winnipeg as a similar style of offense to Toronto. Winnipeg's is more effective. Uh, they Winnipeg's the best team in the CFL. But... It's, it's sort of similar. And so I think they're going to guard them in a very similar fashion. And so in that Winnipeg series, they they played a lot of uh, cover three, double cut. Uh, they 
they did sometimes play what looked more like a quarter, quarter, half and a straight three where they were, you know, favoring a specific receiver. And so I was thinking about that with Toronto, like, are they going to lean somewhere? Probably if Deveris Daniels is on the outside, I could see them actually cheating to that side and just trying to take him out of the game entirely because we saw in Edmonton last week, even though he only had three catches, he was a game changer in that game. And Notice last week he was on the outside a lot. He didn't start there. He was lined up on the depth chart as being as being the W in the slot. But he took a lot of snaps on the outside. And while he was largely invisible for the first half, I just think he makes his better plays on the outside. And and last week they they went again to putting him isolated in quads, where quads would be to one side, Daniels on the other side alone. And he made one of his big catches out of that look too. So if they are going to do something sort of getting away from that that cover three, it might be a quarter, quarter, half with strength towards towards Daniels. But I think you have to go into this looking at your traditional zone beaters, stuff that you've run again and again, you've repped a billion times. And I think they, they work pretty well against Montreal. So uh, classics, I, I, I want to focus on one. I want to focus on, on a dagger concept, which we haven't really talked about before. But all your traditional uh, zone beaters, bench drive, uh, any of those sort of uh, concepts, I think will work really well against the Alouettes. Dagger is one I want to talk about because I haven't really seen Toronto make use of that. They've run a variation of, of dagger before. It's one of my favorite concepts. I love, I love dagger against cover two and cover three. So... I like it to the trip side. If you see Dagger run in the NFL, they almost always run it with uh, there's two receivers to one side and then someone comes from the other side of the field on a drag to sort of complete the concept. The trips version of Dagger, there's a few variations, but essentially the number three receiver, so that's the third receiver from the sideline and your trips formation is clearing out. He's running a seam, just sort of clearing out space. Your middle receiver is usually running a short hook or something like that. It can be a quick slant. It can be a speed out. It's usually a shorter route. And then the guy closest to the sideline, your number one receiver, is running a deep dig. And the cross of the seam and the deep dig sort of make a dagger. And that's, I think, where the concept gets his name. That concept, I'm telling you, you watch Montreal film, there are openings all over the place. Not just on the dig route, which is usually what opens up in that concept. I think the seam's there. I think they can actually split the safety and the corner. I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see Decois take chances. Like, I I think that's a player that you can pick on in Montreal's defense. Marc-Antoine Decois. Uh, he's a good player, but he's really aggressive. And I could see on a concept like Dagger, I could see him either coming downhill to try and cut off that dig route, especially if that's Gittins Jr. coming across on the dig. Or I could see him uh, bailing out to take that seam away from, from the inside receiver and leaving that dig wide open. So, you know, he's a guy that I'd like to try and set up some high lows on. He's a guy that I'd like to try and see the Argos take advantage of their of his aggressiveness, put him in conflict and see how he responds. So that's that's the majority of my plan. I think Montreal is going to have their eye on Olette, obviously after his big game last week. And so along with all these zone beaters, mix in some play action, mix in some misdirection like you've been asking for all season. And I think that's your plan to to beat the Alouettes this week. The other thing that comes up too, which isn't strictly speaking defense, but for sure, is Montreal's kick return game, God help us. Uh, which has been very effective. They're really the best in the league uh, at kick return, at punt return, or or at or at, if not one, they're two. Uh, so that has got to be under control. They it 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 won the game for them against Ottawa uh, in terms of field position, 
And that has to be a huge factor, keeping Chandler worthy under control, not letting Montreal start drives at the 50 every time um that you know we we have been very good at returning i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to concern myself with can we return we have been very good at covering returns um but that that's going to be a huge i think that's going to be a game determiner is if if they can keep montreal's kick return game and punt return game under control uh that that probably means an argo win That is a very nice segue, JB, into my one thing, which we've got coming up now. So my one thing this week is entirely to do with special teams, because like you say, this is that could be a difference maker in this game. Montreal special teams are excellent. Toronto's coming off their worst special teams day all season. It was it was embarrassing last week. It was not a good special teams performance. Boris Beattie aside, who was outstanding. But yeah, in terms of the return game, that's all people will remember. They won't think of any plays on coverage. They won't think of field goals. They'll think of that really awkward pass back. They'll think of the fumble, and uh, those and rightly so. It was it was it was not a good game from the special teams unit. So my one thing this week is no mistakes on special teams, and I've I've actually quantified this so that we can gauge as to whether or not this one thing came true. So what I mean by no mistakes, number one, most importantly, no turnovers on special teams. You absolutely cannot have somebody cough up the football and give Montreal another chance. They've got to protect the football. Number two is no lost yardage. I don't want to see returners cutting back across the field. And I know Leak is so tempted to do that. Sometimes we saw that a little bit with Hadel as well. And so whoever they have back there, just take what is there. We've come to accept by this point, there's not going to be a kick return touchdown. There's not going to be a punt return touchdown. Try and get 15 yards off your punt return. That would be amazing. Try and get your 25 off the kick return. Don't cycle back across the field looking to to hit a home run because it's not there. And what's going to happen instead is yards are going to be lost and you might give up the football. So no lost yardage, number two. Number three, do not allow a punt return longer than 15 yards. That is the max. 15 yards at most if that means if that means just taking the 15 yard penalty i you know what i would accept that if they do that all game long and just take a 15 yards no yards penalty down the football whatever it is i know that's that's kind of an embarrassing thing they won't do that but i i would be okay with that and then no kick return longer than 25 yards those are your numbers if the argos can do all those things to me that's a special teams win and i think the argos are in a good position to win the game so that's my one thing where are you going uh, my one thing is I would love to see three sacks. Um, if we are able to sack Montreal three times, I think that that really will translate into uh, the chances of winning. Uh, if we can get after uh, Harris, so I'd love to see three sacks from the from the defense. I think there's a pretty good chance of that, especially if they continue to send heat. There's some things I'm really encouraged by. Looking in my rewatch of of last week's game against Edmonton, I know the plan was to come in and just show nothing to run a vanilla defense. We heard Enoch Muamba talk about that in his press conference after the game. That was the plan, but they had to call an audible on that when when Edmonton went up by 10 points or whatever it was, 13 points. And so then they did start to show some things. And the stuff that they showed was really interesting to me, not only moving guys around, like we've talked about before with Chris Edwards being, you know, allowing them to be so, so multiple, but 
There was one of the cover zeros they ran. Looking back at it, it's really interesting. You've got Ja'Garrett Davis lined up as a linebacker. Everybody, there's there's seven guys showing along the line. Everyone's in a two-point except the nose tackle, who I think was Hendricks on that play. Everyone else is in a two-point. Davis is coming from a couple yards off the ball. And everybody was sent, plus they had Shaq blitzing from from the the halfback position and he timed that really well too stuff like that creates absolute chaos it's extremely difficult to pick up we've been we've been begging for the swarm defense for years since we started this podcast and since since the hiring of coach young where we heard all of the Argos defenders that that lost season of 2020 talking about how they expected the defense to be really aggressive and and stuff we'd never seen before and and uh, everything and er- anything that we were asking for they're saying it's there it's it's a possibility and last week was as close as we got to that and so I think if if Coach Mace is saving some things, if there's a few plays, a few blitzes he's sitting on, formations he's sitting on, I would love to see that this week. And and I think you can get your three sacks if that's the style of ball you're going to play. All right, predictions, JB. How does this one end? Uh, I, I don't think Toronto wins this game. I, I think Montreal wins at home. Toronto has not had a lot of luck uh, in Montreal. Um... I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Uh, the back-to-backs, very hard to win back-to-backs because you're not going to be able to... Essentially, you're, both teams are going to be playing with the same game plan or a very similar game plan in Toronto. So I, I'm okay with, with them not coming up. I, I have uh, Montreal um, coming up 24-21. Pretty similar score to me. I think we kind of expect the game to go the same way. But at the end of the day, I think Toronto is the better football team. And I think that I think they're in really good spirits this week. The mood in the locker room after the win at Edmonton was really like we haven't seen it all season. There was excitement and energy. And now guys are starting to return and get healthy. There's a there's a really positive vibe uh, at, uh, at at practice in the locker room and the meetings. Everything is everything is pointing in the right direction right now. And I think Toronto's the better football team. And so even though it's a tough place to win, I just, I'm going to pick the better team. And I think Toronto wins 22-20. Very similar score to you, but I think they pull it out this week. And then some difficult decisions have to be made. So we'll see, we'll see what happens down the road. All right, JB, it is time for our world-famous fantasy advice. We're, we're going to blow through this one pretty quickly because we have been eliminated from, from our pool. And so uh, in in the interest of full disclosure, we did not spend nearly as much time on this fantasy roster as uh, we have in weeks past. There are a couple of really good deals this week. If you're still alive in your own fantasy pool, your own CFL fantasy pool, I highly recommend looking at taking a chance at quarterback. You got a couple of guys for $7,000 that are good gambles. You got Trey Ford, who we know is going to be starting for Edmonton. And he could pick up some really sneaky yardage because he could be on there for a rushing touchdown, could be on there for a number of rushing yards. The other option for you is Mason Fine. They're both 7,000. So whichever you think is going to go, if uh, you know Fine uh, ends up getting... Uh, the start, which it sounds like he's going to, I believe I heard that was announced earlier today. So if he starts for Saskatchewan, uh, you've got two starting quarterbacks there worth $7,000. And whichever game you're more interested in, I would say start that guy. For running back, I say load up this week because there aren't 
a tremendous number of options I feel confident in. I really like James Butler this week, 9,399. And I like Kevin Brown. We've been sticking with Kevin Brown uh, for weeks now. You saw yourself how good he was last week against the Argos. It may not result in an Edmonton win, but he could very easily get another 100 yards and a touchdown again. And for 6,700, that's that's a good price. For a receiver, there's a couple guys I like. Keon Hatcher, I think, is going to have a big game. I, I said that a couple of weeks ago when they were in Toronto, and he he had the touchdown, but otherwise was kind of held in check. I, I do think he'll have more success against Edmonton. And so I, I think if you were going to load up on one team this week, I would lean towards it being Lions. But yeah, Keon Hatcher, I think for 5900 is a good price. And Justin Hardy has become a really interesting player to watch. We had him on our fantasy lineup a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he had a really nice week last week. He's a good football player. And for 4825 I think he's going to get 8 to 10 targets against Hamilton. I think that's well worth your, your $4,800. And then for flex, I'm going with Tommy Neald. Tommy Neal, I don't know how much time he's going to get, but he did get into the game a fair bit last week in Edmonton. And I really feel like he and McLeod Bethel-Thompson are on the same page. Tommy Neal has has brought in a large percentage of his limited targets this this year. And I think he and he and McLeod are, are sort of getting a sync going together. So even if he's only out there for like 10 or 15 snaps, I think for minimum price, $2,500, I think that's that's pretty good. And then in terms of in terms of defense, this is uh, it was tempting to go in another direction here. I, I just don't really have the budget left to do anything great here. So I'm actually leaning towards the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense at three thousand two hundred. That could blow up in your face. Just be warned. But there's a possibility that playing for everything this week with a different guy at quarterback, the defense takes it upon themselves to just step up and be something different. So I'm going to ride with uh, the the Rough Riders uh, for our defense this week. All right, JB, it's time for our CFL picks. And for the first time in a while, uh, you beat me last week. You went two and two. I had a dreadful one and three game. I, it felt like it could have gone a different way in a couple of those, but you know that's that's how it's been all season with the with our with our picks. So uh, let's let's have you start off this week. So you've got Ottawa at Hamilton. Where are you going in this one? Um, Ottawa looked. Uh, rejuvenated with the new coach and definitely gave Montreal all they could handle. In fact, really should have won that Friday night game against Montreal. But I believe that uh, the ball is over and Cinderella is going home. Hamilton at home. Uh, I like them over Ottawa. There's the potential of this being a letdown for Hamilton with that big win in Calgary. Nobody on earth expected them to go in and beat Calgary last week. And they and they did. They could very easily go into this week and lose to Ottawa at home. And Ottawa does play pretty well on the road. So I think this is going to be a tight game. But like you, I just I, I don't know. Hamilton is still playing for something. Ottawa isn't. And they don't even know which coach they're playing for at this point. So it's a different situation than you might see in Edmonton, for example. So I, I think I'm going to go with the Tiger Cats as well. BC at Edmonton. Did you see enough from the Elks last week to pick them, JB? <laughs> uh, I did not. I know uh, it was. Uh, it was. I know the TSN was certainly doing their best to uh, to cheer on the boys from Edmonton, but I believe another L is coming for the Edmonton Elves. Yeah, I'm with you on that. BC is still playing for something. Edmonton. 
I, I do. I, I would actually. I would like to see Edmonton win. It's the. It's it's the last shot. Uh, a home win just to end it. I feel so bad. It's just because because of the Elks fans. There's so many great Elks fans that are just wonderful CFL fans. Even a number of our listeners who don't listen because it's Toronto Argonauts. They listen because it's CFL. And a, a number of them are from Edmonton. We got so many messages from guys that are Edmonton Elks fans that do check in and see what's happening on Argo's podcast. And, and I think probably more so from Elks fans than I've seen messages from any other fan that's probably not true i'd say uh riders probably more than that but only just and we know how many riders fans there are but yeah we get we get a, a ton of messages from from edmonton fans and i i feel for them they they have had them between them and ottawa it's just been a, a brutal disaster imagine going 1100 days without a home win and so part of me wants them to win this week but i just don't see it bc takes it uh, I have picked Toronto. You have picked Montreal for that game. And then the last game is Calgary at Saskatchewan. Where are you going? Um, I, I don't know where to go with this either. Uh, I'm, I'm so tired of picking Saskatchewan and, and it blowing up in my face. I, I can't believe that Calgary will not be enraged and dialed in and Saskatchewan is breaking in a new quarterback. I, I like Calgary. Yeah, I just see this as a team that's going to respond. I, I think if Calgary doesn't respond this week, then I think there's trouble in Calgary. And now maybe that's maybe that's the most likely thing to happen because it is the CFL and there's always drama. Maybe the most likely thing to happen is Calgary loses the game, plays terribly on offense, and now everyone's asking questions. They might already be asking questions in Calgary. Well, so I, I mean, you know, I know that they stomped us pretty good out there, but I, you know. I am not. I'm not blown away by Calgary. I mean, they <laughs> they use our playbook, or we use their playbook. It it's really difficult to play them, um, but they're not a stacked team. So I think it'll be interesting to see. However, <laughs> Saskatchewan has been a tire fire that you can see from the space station. So they have burned my hopes and dreams, and I will never support them again. Well, that's fair. And just to add to your point, I like Calgary's defense a lot. I, I'm not sold on their offense, even though I do think they have the, potentially the best running back in the league. I don't think that's enough to base it on. All right. Well, that will just about wrap us up. JB, this is this is getting this is getting pretty heated. This is it. Two weeks remaining. Uh, there's going to be some good football this weekend. Some really good CFL games to watch. Obviously, the the highlight of it is four o'clock uh, Eastern on Saturday as the Toronto Argos travel to Montreal to play the Alouettes. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the foe, foe.